Holly and I have a friend who was born on leap day. He was born on February 29th. So this, this guy is about, about as old as we are, but officially he's only actually like eight or nine years old. Because, you know, he's only had about eight or nine actual days of his birth in his life. Because he was born February 29th, which doesn't come around every year. So I, you know, tell him he should always try to eat for free off the kid's menu, you know. I mean, he's only eight or nine, you know. And so it's amazing, though, the import we place upon things that are kind of, kind of arbitrary, they really are just kind of kind of arbitrary, you know, like like you know, like New Year's Day or even in some ways like birthday. I love to ask my kids after they have a birthday. So, do you feel any feel any older today? Well, not really. It's just one day, but it's a whole nother year. You know, kind of like kind of like there really is no there is no great difference from today than tomorrow. Tomorrow really is just another day. Yeah, it really is. There's no astronomical difference. There's really no difference in time. It's just another day that we have with the creation of our calendar made a different year. You know, calendars are interesting. If you go back and look at the difference between the Gregorian calendar, which we follow now, versus an older calendar, most scholars will tell you that Jesus was actually born in 4 B.C. They switched over calendars in the Middle Ages. So Jesus was actually born in 4 B.C., most scholars believe, which means Jesus was born before Christ. So, you know, sometimes calendars don't work right. So we, we have this, this day that for all real purposes, is just another day. But that's not the case, is it? Because there's something significant about a new day. There's something significant about a new year. I love New Year's Day. I love New Year's Eve. I love this season. I think there's something beautiful, something incredibly significant about New Year's Day. I think there's something neat about this chance to to reassess and start over and, and see the beauty of that new day that God's given us. Because every day is a new day. We know that. But it doesn't seem like there's much difference between September 23rd and September 24th. You know, nobody wakes up going, yay, it's September 24th, hooray. It's a new day. We don't really think that way. But we're all going to wake up tomorrow, aren't we, saying it's a new year. It's a new year. We'll start our resolutions. We'll start our, all the stuff we're going to do and start a new year. There's something biblically significant about newness. There's something biblically significant about new days. That's one of the, those themes all across Scripture. New. Jesus says you, ain't, you can't put new wine into old wineskins. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. I have made all things new. We see newness as a big deal all across Scripture. Behold, I will form with you a new covenant, and I will write the law upon your heart. We experience in Christ a new birth. 
newness is very important biblically, very significant biblically, a really big deal to us as Christians, new life, new day, new birth, new covenant, new hope, new, 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 new. In fact, we see, we see this beautiful scene playing out today in Revelation, this scene about, about the completeness of all, of, of all things, God completing everything. And there's this, there's this great picture there. He says, behold, I saw a new heaven and a new earth coming out of the heavens. A new heaven and a new earth. New. One of my favorite concepts in, in Paul's writings is how if you were in Christ, you are a new creation. God is in the new business. God is in the restoration business. God is in the reclamation business. I, as I said earlier, I've spent a lot of time on a, with, with family just kind of hanging out. So I've watched a, watched a lot of... Um, more HGTV yesterday than I've really watched my entire life. I don't really feel any better. I also, also watched a lot of Hallmark movies. Um, not a lot. I've watched one, which is more than I've ever watched. But they all got the same plots. The, the person with a heart of gold meets the old love. And one of two things will always happen. Watch me. When you watch a Hallmark movie or a Lifetime movie, it's going to go one of two paths. Either she will meet the old flame and they will kiss under a gazebo, and everything's perfect. Or he'll kidnap her. <laughs> Those are the only two options. I've just summarized every Hallmark slash Lifetime movie ever. They'll kiss under a gazebo, or she's kidnapped. That's it. That's the only way they turn out. So we, 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 we see this new life, you know, uh, we, we, and so I think about God's in the reclamation business, like the property brothers or all those folks on HDTV, they're making things new because you go back and go back, hit rewind to Genesis chapter three, when Adam and Eve fell and everything was corrupted, everything was thrown off course. I love that line from love divine. All love's excelling. Take away our bent to sinning alpha and omega B. We all have this bent to sinning. We just want to do wrong. We want to eat cheesecake, not broccoli. We want to do things that are wrong. It's just part of our human condition. And salvation ultimately is about God taking away that bent to sinning. God, God correcting that which Satan has corrupted. God restoring that which Satan has taken. God making new that which has been broken. God's in that new business. So we see in the significance in Revelation that behold, I see a new heaven and a new earth. God is making new that which sin has corrupted. So in other words, there's going to be a day when there's no more cancer. There's going to be a day where there's no more pain. There's going to be a day where there's no more loss. There's going to be a day where there's no more war. There's going to be a day when we'll take our swords and beat them into plowshares. There's going to be a day, no more brokenness. There's going to be a day, no more family fights. There's going to be a day when God's going to take all these things that are corrupted and make them new. God is in the new business. God's in the restoration business. God's in the hope business. God makes all things new. So behold, I see a new heaven and a new earth. That which is old has been put away, and that which is new has come. God makes things new. We see it over and over and over and over in Scripture. God makes all things new. So, for us, 
here on this New Year's Eve. It's actually a very significant day for those of us in the Wesleyan tradition. We're going to end our service as you came in the bulletin. In the bulletin, there's a little insert in there which has a, a Wesleyan covenant prayer. We're going to end our service today with that. That was one of the things that Wesley wanted the Methodists to do was to, at the end of each new year, to remember and make a covenant with God to live out the newness of life in the new year, to start over. There's something important about starting over, y'all. There's just something significant about starting over. You ever had a relationship that got really sideways with somebody? You ever had a relationship, a friendship that got really broken? The answer to that is yes, because you're human. We all have. One of the greatest gifts we can have is for that to become new, to start over. I had a good friend of mine, I've shared with you before, a good friend of mine, that we just got sideways with each other through no fault of anybody. It wasn't like I did anything wrong or he did anything wrong. We just got sideways. Life, you know what happened? Life happened. Life happens. We just got sideways with each other. We made a promise to start over. And that's one of my most treasured friends today. And that was not the case five years ago. But it is now. We made a promise to start over and to make it new. So as we stand here on the edge of a new year, we have the chance, we have the opportunity, we have the moment, this means of grace to make it new, to start over, to start afresh, to start afresh spiritually. I mean, that's why I'm beating the drum on this Bible reading stuff, y'all. Because so often as a pastor, I hear people say, we don't, I don't understand the Bible. It doesn't make sense to me. And I get it. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me either sometimes. I do the whole Jesus thing for a living. But when we walk through it together, when we read together, when we pray together, when we study together, God reveals himself to us in this. And I I, I, I want you to dig into the Bible this year because I heard a guy say one time, I'm not talking about tithing right now, but a guy challenged his church that if you tithe, hear me, I'm not doing this, but because finance would kick me out. Um, he said, if you tithe, you can't pay your bills, come find me and I'll pay your bills for you. He said, no one's ever took you, taking him up on that. If you resolve, if you resolve to read through the Bible as our, with our church family next year, and your faith doesn't grow, come find me. If you do it, if you do this consistently, if you read through Scripture, if you read through the guides we're going to give you, if you follow along through our podcast, if you resolve to get serious about this next year, and your faith does not grow, come find me, and I'll apologize to you. But I don't think that's going to be the case because it never is. Anytime we take serious God's Word, God changes us. 
This is a new year. This is a chance to start over spiritually. You don't have to carry the old sin. You don't have to carry the old shame. You don't have to carry the old brokenness. It is a chance to start over spiritually. It is. This is your moment. This is your opportunity. This is your chance to start over spiritually. It's your chance to start over emotionally. We can only carry unforgiveness around so long. Sometimes we got to forgive, even if they don't deserve it. In fact, usually that's the time we need to forgive the most, is when they don't deserve it. Because grace that is earned is not grace. We don't forgive because they've earned it. We forgive because it sets us free. We don't forgive for their sake. We forgive for ours. That person that you can't forgive, that unforgiveness in your heart that keeps you up at night, like I like to tell you, that person you can't forgive, guess what? They're going to sleep fine tonight. It's not bothering them. Our unforgiveness only bothers us. You know, unforgiveness is you drinking a poison and expecting it to kill them. This new year is a chance to start over spiritually. It's a chance to start over emotionally. It's a chance to mend old relationships. I love what Paul says in one of his letters. He says, and as much as it depends upon you, live in peace with each other. Y'all, you can't control somebody's responses and reactions. If there's a relationship that you want to make right, and you go to them and try to make it right, and they refuse to make it right, that's not on you. Our only response is to do what we have to do. And as much as it depends upon you, seek to live in peace with each other. If you do your part and they don't reciprocate, that's, that's not on you. But when we hold on tight to it, when we refuse to mend those bridges, and by the way here, y'all, you need to hear me. This might not be the time to mend that bridge. I'm not saying you got to go to somebody. If, if there's some brokenness right now that is not the time to heal, I'm not saying you got to force it right now. But what I'm saying is you got to be walking towards it. you got to learn to let go. Forgiveness is not something that happens like that. Forgiveness is usually a process. It's usually a journey. And all we do is take one step at a time. So if, the time, if you know now is the time when you can forgive, then forgive. But if it's not time yet, if you can't in your heart right now, that's okay. It's okay. Keep walking. C.S. Lewis says, the shame is not in falling down. The shame is in not getting back up. Keep walking. Keep walking. So we have this new day, y'all, to make things new spiritually. To make things new emotionally. To make things new within our relationships. To make things new within ourselves. But here's the thing. You got to do your part. I tell people all the time, faith is not an act of will. Faith is not bowing up and getting stronger and better. Faith is surrender. Faith is surrendering yourself to God, surrendering yourself to his will, surrendering yourself to his way. It's not about you becoming a better person. It's about letting God work through you. Our responsibility is to put ourselves in a position to be used by God. That's our responsibility is to put ourselves in a position to be used by God. So that's why I'm bugging you about texting at 39110 to 81010. 
That's why I'm bugging you. I want to put you in a position. Go to St. Matthew's stm-umc.org slash rooted. Sign up. Be faithful. Put yourself in that position. Because when we put ourselves in that position, God will move. The, the best analogy I ever heard about faith is when I heard somebody compare it one time to rebounding. I always love this analogy, and I've shared it with you before. But faith in its, in its, in its beauty is about rebounding the basketball. I always use the analogy of Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley was not particularly tall, not particularly athletic, but he was big, and he'd get in your way. And what he understood about rebounding was you get between your man and the ball. If you put yourself in the right position, something good will happen. You'll either get the rebound or they'll foul you. But if you put yourself in the right position, something good will happen. Your part is to put yourself in the right position. Position yourself in front of God. If you're not reading his word, you're not worshiping with his people, you're not seeking his face, you're not going to hear him. Let's say that again. If you're not reading his word, if you're not worshiping with his people, if you're not seeking his face, you're not going to hear him. It's not that he's not speaking. No, no, I'm not saying he's not speaking. I'm just saying you're not in a position to hear him. I was reading this past weekend for uh, some schoolwork, and Holly, I had the door shut, and Holly was trying to talk to me, and I didn't hear her. You know why? Door was shut. Wasn't that she wasn't talking? It wasn't that I wasn't even listening. Well, I wasn't listening, but. <laughs> but I wasn't in the right position. In this new year, I'm not, te- I'm not telling you to spiritually climb Mount Everest, but I'm asking, will you put yourself in the right position? You experience the newness of life. Will you experience God's goodness in this year? And will you allow him to speak to you? And will you put yourself in a place to hear it? Behold, he is making all things new. Will we let him make us new? Will we let him restore in us his glory? He is making all things new. May that include me and you in this year. Let us pray. Gracious God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. You are so good to us, Father. May we live in your newness of life today, God. Empower us to be faithful in all things. We love you so much. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.